There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed. And that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. everybody to another episode of benched with bubba episode 229 and boy oh boy do we have a lot to talk about it's been a kind of interesting offseason picking and parting little parts of fancy baseball to talk about but it's been a uh, news galore the winter meetings have not disappointed so we got our baseball angles our fantasy angles all that fun stuff and a special guest as always will be joining me this this episode you can find him on twitter at mike underscore curlin he's the basis loaded pod and much more. I'll let him tell you all about it. But Mike, how we doing, man? I am doing fantastic, man. I'm just glad to be on the show. I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to be on. It's awesome. Yep. No, no problem at all. I'm looking forward to uh, chatting it up with you before we get going. Like I said, you got a lot going on, not just the bases loaded pod, a ton of things. So why don't you let us know all the cool stuff you have going on? Oh man. So last time you came on our show, it was pretty much just the bases loaded pod. Now it's kind of blossom into a whole bunch of stuff man okay so i write for fan tracks that's been going on for about six or eight months now and that's been awesome so i write i usually write a weekly article there i'm starting up a new little venture for just draft champions leagues for nfpc um like it's really niche it's a real niche podcast but we recorded our first pod today actually and we've done like zero promoting so that's kind of new so by the time someone hears this it might be up obviously but it might not so that's in the works it's just it's pretty much just um nfbc centric and i also offer to help out with fake teams on their podcast so and that's um the double switch pod so like you said i'm kind of keeping busy to say the least (laughs) that's you are i think that's everything (laughs) That's good though. That's good. Keep you busy. Keep you moving. Keep it going. So that's uh, that's good to hear. And that's going to make this fun. We're going to talk about the wonderful world of the winter meetings of the off season, which in previous seasons we haven't really had much fun to talk about. Let's kick it off with on Tuesday night the bombshell that dropped 
Garrett Cole. It was kind of speculated all along. The Yankees always said, we're going to give him more money than anybody wants because we want this guy. Well, Cole went to the Yankees, and he goes there on nine years, $324 million. He's getting $36 million a year. Like, I saw it get broken down by he starts, all these things. It comes down to about, ten, give or take, $10,000 per pitch. It's, yeah. Uh, it's, it's pretty wild what's taking place with Cole. So what's your take on this between a baseball fantasy angle, whatever angle you want to take? Because they literally broke the bank, and it's a long, long deal for a pitcher. I look at it two ways. One, this is I feel like this is the first post, you know, second, like the new Steinbrenner. I feel like this is the first real big he went out and bought a player. You know what I mean? Because yeah. the old side burner, you always thought of like, oh, they'll go out and buy, you know, Johnny Damon and insert player here. They always went out and got their guys. This feels like, obviously, when they went out and traded for Stan, they absorbed most of that. I think if not all of that contract. But this was the first real big signing like that, like this, since I can remember for the Yankees in a long time, where they went above and beyond to make sure they got their guy. So that was kind of cool. As much as I'm not a Yankees fan, trust me, like I'm just like anybody else who's not a Yankees <laughs> fan. Like I'm not happy that he went there, but it was kind of cool to see them kind of go back to their roots, so to speak, for almost a little nostalgia. It's just more way, more reasons not to like them. But a fantasy aspect, man, I had this discussion today with somebody. Just Cole or DeGrom, it's like I'm wondering now how much – like the park factors are – like if you look at at least the ones from um, Fantasy Pros, those are the ones that like it shows a vast – Vast like difference in park factors now, so I'm torn between. It used to be for me Cole number one, no ifs, ands, or buts. Now it's like Cole or Degrom. I think there's a legitimate conversation to be had. It's going to be interesting. I know like a, a lot of people were all cold the whole time, mm-hmm. and I still think he'll be fine for just the fact that he limits hard contact. And if anything, he can go the Justin Verlander route, and he might give up a million home runs, but he doesn't walk anybody, so they're solo home runs, and you're going to be okay. Um, there's different, I guess, angles to go about it, but it is definitely going into Yankee Stadium. You're going to go into the yard where the ball flies. You got the monster. You got Toronto where the ball goes crazy. Mm-hmm. It's definitely a massive shift in the environment from leaving the AL West. The teams, uh, the offense from the teams will be a little better. It, it will be different. There's no hiding that at all. Uh, Degrom is a monster. He's done it two years in a row now. Uh, I don't see that stopping anytime soon. City Field's definitely a more pitcher-friendly venture. Even though some of these new things like that Max Freeze and uh, Dan Richards and some other guys, Eno Saris, are coming out with their new park factors are showing that City Field's a little more hitter-friendly than people think. It's still not like super crazy hitter-friendly. So it'll be interesting. I know there's a lot of people that are hardcore. Garrett Cole's the man. But I see what you're saying. It, it does take a new angle into place. It definitely just essentially takes it from being, at least like I said, the by himself number one guy to now I, for me, I tear those two together as the elites of the elites. And there's, a, I think there's a debate, but yeah, I don't know. I, if you ask me, gun to my head, I'm going to probably take Cole, but I'm not as confident. That's all. Anyway. Yeah. And, and for me, it's like, I like getting good pitchers. I just don't feel like I can take one to like pick five or six, well, like yeah, a lot that's... of people are doing. It's tough for me. So it's almost like, I don't know if I'll have the Cole conversations. Like in TGFBI last year, I got Garrett Cole in like round three or four, and I was like over the moon. You know, obviously mm-hmm. that's not happening anymore. So no. <laughs> that's 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 at times of the past. Now we look at the Yankees rotation. You know, I got a roster resource. It's going Cole, Paxton, Tanaka, Severino, and then there's Hat for now or somebody else. But that 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 top four is pretty darn strong um, from a non fantasy perspective, I guess. Do you think this just makes them far and away the favorite in the in the AL, or is there still a lot of work to be done? You know, the, the Astros are still there. You got a couple other teams hanging around too. 
I think the Angels are really going to make a push. I mean, that's going to jump into our next piece of news here shortly. But other than the Angels, I like the White Sox in future. But as far as just next year, you got to like the Yankees. That offense was one of the best, and it wasn't even healthy. So now you're getting back healthy pieces. You're getting, you're adding to their the, what they biggest their biggest need was starting pitching. That bullpen is still that one of the best in the league. It's hard to argue that they aren't the team to beat in the AL, even with the Astros just coming off another World Series appearance. Yeah, no doubt about it. And we'll see how this deal goes because he's 29, so it'll go into like his 30, age 37, 38 season. It does have an opt out after five years, but it's gonna be hard to uh, imagine he's gonna opt out of all that cash. So we'll see how that goes. 36 million dollars guaranteed per season is kind of hard to say no to, especially if you're not elite anymore, which I don't see not happening. But that'll be kind of interesting. Uh, you hinted at the Angels. Let's go right into it. It happened literally what 20, 30 minutes before we started recording. <laughs> I, I was in another podcast and it dropped and got the alert on my phone. So I was like, oh, great. Another piece of news. The Angels have signed Anthony Rendon to a seven year, $245 million deal. Uh, the second seven-year, $245 million deal Scott Boris has put together this year. Um, but the Angels get their third baseman. And this is an interesting move because they're projected to hit Rendon third. It really bolsters that lineup quite a bit. What's your takes on Rendon coming to uh, Disneyland? I love it. And the first thing I thought about was that Trout finally has like legitimate lineup protection for like the first time I can remember. And... Although Trout is obviously a no-brainer, top three pick, which I'm having a hard time taking him out, still outside the first pick. That's another discussion for another day. Um, it's like one of those things, well, is Trout going to hit 50 this year because he actually has lineup protection, or is Rendon going to hit 200 RBIs? I say that a little tongue-in-cheek, tongue obviously, but in all reality, Rendon might have had his like career year last year, but you're just looking at such a solid hitter going to a good situation, a team that's not done by getting building pieces up around him, Good players coming up the farm system. I think this is a great landing spot, and I really like him. I like it for a fantasy aspect as well for two players, like I said, because Trout will always Trout will always be on base for him <laughs> if he's not hitting home runs. So, I mean, it might hurt his steals, but at the end of the day, I think Rendon might not hit for as much power, but the everything else is going to be there. The RBIs, the maybe the runs, but not so much. But every, I don't know. I like I like I just can't stress enough how much I really like this move. Yeah, Rendon is such a good pure hitter. It, it's a really solid move. He's 29, going to be 30 soon, so he's he's still in, in, in got good years ahead of him. They, you know, they broke the bank, but they didn't. If you think about it, like look what Machado went for last year and stuff. Exactly. To, to me, they got a deal on this one for what Rendon does as an overall player. So it's kind of an interesting way to go about it. I think a really good move here. You look at their projected lineup. Tommy Listella. A lot of people forget about him. I think he's a great draft and old like later option if he comes back and shows any sign of what he does otherwise who cares he's basically going for free they got him leading off playing first base that'll probably change but they got trout second rendon third shohei fourth upton fifth and then it gets kind of interesting on the back end again but the reason why i want to say this is you know you mentioned trout not having protection in recent years which is totally true and that's been a lot of the issues but the days when matt and trout did have protection back in the day we saw trout run more now, yes, his legs have been a little messed up. We saw him get hurt more consistently last year for the first time. He had surgery this offseason. But do you think, and this is pure speculation because we have no idea, do you think this could lead Trout to running more? I'm not. I don't, I don't know. I don't, and honestly, I'm not sure how Madden likes to run. I know. That's true. I know, but I have to look at, I would have to look at into, into that a little more. I've always, I, I keep meaning to, I just keep forgetting. But <laughs> Madden is a new manager. He can be a little cute with things sometimes. I don't know if he's really going to get cute with a guy like Trout. But at the same time, 
I'm t- it's tough, man. He hasn't played over what 140 games in the last three years. He uh, he came out. He had the hand injury sliding. That was a fluke injury. I get it, but he now wears that uh, oven mitt. He had the I think it was a foot surgery. He's coming off of. So you're looking at just things that make more sense to not make him run. Plus, you're t- you could possibly potentially. You know, he doesn't get caught all that often, obviously, but you're still possibly running into outs. I don't know. The speed's still there. I think. He still, I think Trout's still good for 10 to 15. If he gets 20, I would be completely shocked. And if he gets 20, taking him anywhere but first overall is a mistake. But I, exactly. I mean, yeah, that's, you're right. Yeah. And that's why I want to bring it up because, you know, that was the bugaboo. That's been my argument of why I kind of like Acuna more because of the steals. But if just if you give me 20 Trout steals, it's like impossible for me to take anybody but Mike Trout. So it just, it just brings more to that fun debate of, you know, Trout, Acuna, Yellick, which – like you said, different show, different time, but it's a fun debate that's going to go on for the next three or four months that it'll continue to be going. Uh, let's go to the Washington Nationals where they brought back the World Series MVP, Stephen Strasburg, seven years, $245 million, another monster deal. Kind of surprised me a little bit. I'll, I'll give my two cents here and I'll let you have the floor. I love Strasburg. I was a big fan coming into last year. I started telling myself that a lot of pitchers aren't pitching deep anymore. If he can still give you 160 to 180, their quality 160 to 180. Last year, he went way above that. So we know we got to temper that back because he doesn't do that. At the same time, I wanted him to get paid. He's 31 with a, tra- a track record that is not ideal. I think seven years might come back to haunt the Nats a little bit here. And I've gotten a lot of blowback on this in certain chat rooms. What's your thoughts on Steven Strasburg on a seven-year $245 million? I'm with you, man. I mean, other than this year, he's pitched 200 innings one other time, and that was back in 2014. And then beyond, and even before that, it was a, a high of 183. Other than that, it's always injuries. I think this was more of a thank you for being a lifetime national type of thing. Like this was like a we're we're keeping you. You're gonna you're gonna be our guy from beginning to end. And I I love I love the sentiment. It just you're right. It's as far as a baseball move goes. It's good for the next three years, maybe, maybe four. Mm-hmm. I, I'm say, obviously those last three years might be like CC Sabathia type of years. I don't, th- I don't see him aging as gracefully as a Cole type, but I could be wrong. We all could be wrong. I just, I don't yeah. know. I'm not, su- I'm not suddenly buying the health being like a, a thing of the past after one year. So exactly. I'm, I'm, I'm right with you. I'm right in line with you as far as the way you're thinking, honestly. And uh, and with that train of thought, you know, he, he put in that longer year this year than plus the postseason on top of it where he was awesome. Like, he earned the contract as a Giants fan who watched him after, like, every World Series give Aubrey Huff or um, Sanchez or all these guys that didn't deserve a lot of money a lot of money. Like, they did it all the time. So, mm-hmm. I, I witnessed it. The thank you card is great. And nobody deserves it more than Strasburg who, you know, had to sit out the first time he could have gone to the postseason. So many things oh, with Strasburg. Like they, 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 they owed him this. They owed him this big time. So I, I don't mind this at all. It's just going to be interesting. Um, and with this extra workload this year, he, he's going pretty decent picks in drafts right now. Are you worried about drafting him this season? And uh, instead of waiting, you know, maybe another year with no postseason to get a, a normal workload into him. I'm so, I'm sorry, I missed that. Oh, sorry. Are you worried about drafting Strasburg going into this oh. year? Because of the extra workload he had during the postseason and everything else, um, no, I've I've never really bought into that for some reason. I don't know why. I know it's a thing. Like it's a very much a real thing, but mm-hmm. it depends on where he falls. I mean, right now I've seen him go a little earlier than I'd like. Like he's going before guys like Snell, and I think that's the big one for me is Snell and even Patrick Corbin. Where I find I I kind of value Corbin similarly to him because. 
although Strasbourg, I feel like, has the higher ceiling, I'm all about Corbin's high floor, the 200 innings. At this point, he's proven to be a little more consistent. I mean, as far as, far as health, I mean, I know he had the, he missed a couple lost years, but I don't know. Like, I, I've, I'm having a hard time, really. I haven't landed on him. I've, I've been in two NFBC drafts, and neither neither time have I come up go, with, uh, going for a pitcher, and he's crossed my mind, but he's also been gone before I've had a chance to grab him. So, I'm not, at this point, I don't see myself getting many shares. Maybe I am lower than I realize than the, than the consensus is on him. Yeah, no, it'll be concerned. it'll be interesting. So if yeah, if you're not concerned, he might uh, he, he might fall and you might get, you might be able to sneak up on him. But you still have Strasburg, Scherzer, Corbin, big three in Washington. They made a couple of their small moves. Um, they brought Howie Kendrick back, who had a hell of a year last <laughs> year. Plus, not to mention the uh, NLCS home run against the Dodgers in extra innings. Uh, he's projected to back cleanup in at first base. This Nats lineup needs some work. Let's just put it that way. But he, he, he's coming back, and then Jan Gomes is a backup catcher to Kurt Suzuki's coming back as, all, as well. Any thoughts on those two guys coming back to Washington? Oh, I, I think it's great for Washington. Again, those are just kind of complementary pieces, as you kind of alluded to. Although, I think Kendrick, as of right now, is um, going to be vaulted into more regular playing time, which we all wanted last year. I just wonder how much of it is going to retain from last year. I mean, yeah, I, I, I mean, the bat – is pretty legit, but it's just, it makes you wonder like how much are they really, are, are they, they have to sign somebody else, right? I mean, yeah, they do. <laughs> like you, you look at their lineup right now, it's Eaton, Turner, Soto, Kendrick playing first base, Suzuki, Victor Robles, Carter Keeboom playing third base and Wilmer Defoe playing second base. They need some help in that lineup. Oh, for sure. And Kendrick, I mean, 36 years old, it's hard for me to believe they suddenly brought him back to be a full-time player. If they didn't let him bet mm-hmm. full-time last year with how, how well he was hitting pretty much all year. It, I have a hard time really buying into the fact that they suddenly believe in him as a full-time starter. So and that's expect... my thing. It's like, yeah, the thing that made him so good last year is he didn't play full-time, like you were saying, and he was really good in the platoon role. Uh, so it's going to be interesting. Maybe like a CJ Crone, cheap first baseman type of guy, big bat. Yeah. Maybe a or fit. Justin, I mean, Justin Smoke. Smoke is he, – he infuriated me last year, man. His peripherals were beautiful as far as, like, his stat cast data, and he just couldn't hit for above 215. Like, what the heck? Well, I'm just thinking they need a lefty to go with, with Hendrick. That's true. Right. That's, my, that's my only thought. Um, but, yeah, they, they need to do something. Maybe they bring a big Matt Adams back. Who knows? So, Ooh. Uh, I guess we'll see. They, 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 he's got a soft spot in Washington's heart as well. Um, so, we'll see how all that pans out. To stay in the NL East, Didi Gregorius signed a deal, a one-year deal with the Philadelphia Phillies. And the Phillies, they were very active last year, and it made people very optimistic on their future. Well, by goodness, this makes this lineup very scary. Very, very scary. And the rotation, they already signed Zach Wheeler and and threw him in there. They've made a few moves to try to keep things competitive in the NL East. What's your takes on DD to to, uh, Philadelphia? Because on Twitter, it's very one side or the other. I'd be hard pressed to think it's not a great move for him. I mean, he goes from Yankees, where I know he had an off year last year, kind of a lost year, but you're going to another hitter's ballpark in what's still a really good lineup. The issue I have is just as a, from a fantasy aspect, is shortstop is such a deep position that it's hard for him to truly move up ranks because what his skill set, people are willing to pass on someone like him for like let's say like an Edmund or a Newman because you know, you're taking the hit on the power, but the steals are more valuable. So as far as the fantasy aspect goes, 
I it's hard for me to move him up my shortstop ranks. But as far as re, a real life move goes, I think it's a great fit. Defense, offense, I think it really just all around. Because I mean, I don't know. I'm not big on Kingry personally, so I I, I didn't want to. I, I like seeing that they're kind of instead of having Kingry as a main, he still has a pretty solid spot altogether. But I don't know. I think this is a good sh- move to shore up some of those uh, holes they have going on right now and on that team. Yeah, no doubt about it. I like the uh, the DD move. It, it's it's a really good move for their defense as a whole. It's a fun move for Didi, who we know pulls everything for power. Mm-hmm. And uh, Philadelphia is one of the top, if not the top, place for lefty power in all of baseball. So uh, that that's what the uh, part factors have shown. So that's a, a big plus. Uh, it, at least if it's not the best, it's right in line with Yankee Stadium. I did a um, – like a, I, l- I looked at a spray chart and put it over Philadelphia, and they almost landed at the same spot as it does in Yankee Stadium in the outfit. Oh, so, so beautiful. Yeah. I saw that. Yeah, I did see it. That was you. I, thought, I wasn't sure if it was you or Max Freeze because you guys are both – you two are – couple guys that always put out tweets I, by the way i do shout you guys out pretty frequently in my own pod because you guys probably guess like i love those over th- overlaying things i always forget to do them myself but now if i do them i feel like i'm stealing from you no, so i let no, you no. I, let, I let you handle them but man i love those things they're so much fun like the musakis yeah. one you did too i think yeah oh so, so much fun you it, it's fun to see where it all it all plays uh-huh. out it's all speculation but oh uh, but it's never, fun yeah it's so very fun. interesting and so but i just thought it was fun because literally they landed almost the same distance from the fence. So I'm like, oh, that's a good sign. That's a good sign right there. Exactly. So, so that looks good. Um, this one's not too major. I just want to bring it up because it's uh, very interesting and forward thinking for once. Uh, the Giants acquired Zach Cozart and uh, his over $12 million contract for next season. And they also got the number one pick for the Angels last year and Will Wilson, who's a highly heralded prospect and a middle infielder from the Angels in order to uh, basically give the Angels more money for what they're doing tonight and other times. This really doesn't have a big impact this year unless you, for some reason, want Zach Cozart. I laughed a little bit at this because at least I think there's going to be some – no, not in like in a bad way, but I yeah. just drafted him in an NFBC league for depth. And I thought well, like there's no way – It's perfect yeah. for draft champions, yes. Exactly. And it's funny because obviously unless you're playing such a deep format, he has zero relevance. But it's funny. It was just funny. To me. I'm like, wow, he actually lost value. Not, not because the playing time – well, now he would have had no value if he stayed on the Angels. But I just think that, you know, going to that park, assuming I was, I was assuming playing time – with the Angels, so the park is like the fact that I was like upset that somebody so late in a draft lost a little value, but I don't know. Realistically, I don't think he has much value as it is. So, but you guys did get a legit prospect out of it, so that's yep. that's nice. <laughs> that's the part. I, that's the part I like because the farm system's actually getting pretty deep. So I'm pretty dude. You guys have something. That. You guys really do have something working. I, I'm a fan of your. your I, I don't question you guys' moves anymore ever. Yeah, in Farhan we trust. That's my new uh, hashtag. Every time you make some move, it gets t- it gets tweeted. Because uh, I got I got I got Giants friends like really close friends that are very angry because they're not spending money. I have to walk them off the ledge all the time because it's a process that they are not used to. So in three in three or four years, you guys will be set up again, uh-huh. assuming everything you know, assuming some of these guys work out. Yeah, one of them finally admitted that after this trade when he realized that we just got a big time prospect again, and he looked at me and he goes. Well, I guess in about three or four years, you can just show me all my text messages to you and mm-hmm. tell me I, you were right. So I was like, he's starting to realize it now. It took a little while, but he's starting to get there. But um, another move they make that I like because I can see the forward thinking here is they got Kevin Gosman. And yes, Kevin Gosman is a polarizing figure in all fantasy owners' eyes because he reels you in all the time and then he just blows up in your face. It's what Kevin Gosman does great. But when he went to the bullpen for the Reds, they started utilizing his splitter more, his slider more and whatnot, and he really became a good pitcher. I was hoping to be in the back end. 
Gabe Kapler's got other ideas to put him in the rotation. This has Drew Pomeranz written all over it where they're going to deal him at the deadline. That's where I like it. Do you have any interest in Kevin Gosman now to start the season? Well, he do, they did come out and say they're going to they, they plan to utilize him as a starter. So maybe, yeah. hopefully, they will keep him to like that two times through the lineup type of deal because of the fact that he has a, he's a two-pitch pitcher, basically. And usually a third time through isn't ever a good thing. But I was surprised when I dug into him a little bit. He had, you know, the 102 innings pitch last season. And you, like you mentioned, he had a relief role. So maybe that played into why the numbers were so good. But even with a subpar strand rate of 61.2%, which should regress to at least closer to 70, which is, you know, still below league average, actually. But he actually had career highs in every single plate discipline metric from O swing percentage to swing strike rate. And I found it very interesting. I think all but one, actually. I, can't, I think it was one of the contact rates, but it was very minimal. And it was almost pretty much it was good. It was almost a uh, career best mark. So I don't know. I think it's very intriguing as a late round dart throw. But it's funny that you mentioned that he always blows up because uh, buddies of mine used to call him a uh, gas can instead of Gosman yes. because it was just a, it fit yeah. fit so well. It, it fits perfectly. It fits perfectly, and especially in when he was in Baltimore, where the ball just flew out mm-hmm. of there. It was clockwork. It was uh, pretty good stuff. Uh, let's talk about a fun trade that took place. The Padres are just going bananas, and they're already—they're still linked to possibly David Price and Whit Merrifield. They're doing all kinds of craziness over there in San Diego, but they acquired another outfielder because that's what they like to do. They at least sent one in, in the deal, but they acquired Tommy Pham from the Tampa Bay Rays, which is very exciting. They dealt Hunter Renfro, who's a power-hitting uh, right-handed outfielder, and a really nice prospect, Xavier Edwards, to Tampa Bay. What's your thoughts on what, what's just, your thoughts uh, on what? No, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. I just started laughing. I start laughing because every time this trade comes up, I think about uh, Snell's reaction. Oh, Snell's reaction. Yeah, they, they traded for Henry Info and a slapdick prospect. That, and that's, that's, that's what happened. And that's why I didn't mean to cut you off. I'm really sorry about yeah, that. But no man, I, I just literally audibly laughed because I, I, that wasn't fake. That was legitimate. And uh, but ultimately, I mean, you think about like, oh, the Padres, another outfielder, but. I like what they're doing because they're getting guys that are on base peep guys. The other guys, the guys are giving up, aren't aren't as like aren't as good at getting on base, and they need to put on. They have to put some runs up. You know what I mean? Like they have to do something. They have to get some guys on base. You get Machado surrounded by some guys that get on base. You might see a resurgence of Machado. That's gonna be nice. I'm yeah. more interested on the other side. The Rays. You don't question what the Rays do. You really don't. They took on Renfro. Like, you have any thoughts on that part of it? Because I'm not sure what to think about that part of it. I've always been a, I've always had a soft spot for Renfro because his power is legit. And like last year, he had a stretch where he was just crushing everything, and then he just kind of disappeared in the mess of the outfield. I like him there. It could be one of those like quiet situations, new look. It's just tough to tell because they're always moving guys around. Are they going to platoon them? What are they going to do? But I, I don't hate it because if you also think about it, there's a ton of lefties in the AL East. You get those juicy ballparks to hit in. I think he's going to be pretty decent for him. My main concern is the, is if he gets put because it's it's the Rays is a platoon situation because he mashes I think it's he mashes lefty struggles with righties and I looked and it's like a, he's like a two hundred hitter versus righties it, I just I believe in the Rays being able to build him up as a hitter though more than anything so yeah it'll be interesting because they definitely will kind of manage it properly I guess is the right word but uh, it will be very interesting to see how all that plays out but he could be another one of those late round kind of guys waiver wire guys uh, that you could. You could sneak up on and, and make it happen uh, mm-hmm. late in your drafts if you need to. So oh, definitely I drafted something him. there. 
I drafted him in my first FBC league for the power before the trade. So I'm hoping, nice. trust me, I'm really hoping for the full-time gig or like a more than not <laughs> more than a weak side platoon. So I'm with you. Yeah. I, I like running for the, for the late power. Yeah, definitely. Give me another late power spot. Another potential power guy, if you could ever find it, is Nomar Mazar. He got traded to the White Sox. Um, he's only 25 years old. People are hating Nomar Mazar in many, many ways. The White Sox only gave up Steel Walker, who's really not a big-time prospect at all. They basically got Mazzara the way I look at it for free. Um, and he's going to go into a very, very potent young lineup. Uh, what's your take on Mazzara going there? Because similar to some other moves, you either love it or you hate it. See, I'm indifferent. He, I was, but I'm already kind of low on him, so I guess technically I hate it. Although I like the t- the team itself is great. I absolutely um love the team that like what they're doing over there for the White Sox. But I'm I'm just not a Mazzara guy. Like I last year, I was like I recommended dropping him at one point. And people were giving me a hard like, like you said. There's either lovers or haters on this guy, and people were giving me such a hard time on it because I'm like, well, what does he give you? He's not coming through on that on that upside that that potential that we all keep saying he has. And every year it's, he's only 23, he's only 24, he's only 25. He'll only be 26 next year. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's going to mm-hmm. always be, it's like the potential's there. We know it. The power could be there. I just, I, at his price though, you, you can take a shot. It's probably the best year to buy into him as far as a, pro, a potential profit goes. But I'm, I'm kind of just sort of indifferent. Like I'm not buying the hype either. I'm not, I'm, I'm really in the middle. Like I'll take him if he falls to me, but I'm not going out of my way to draft him. Yeah, no. And that's a good way to put it. Cause in years past people gone out of their way to draft him. So that makes a ton of sense there. I think it's an, it's an interesting spot because the values there, the new ballpark, uh, just the new environment. Cause I think he was kind of getting run down with all the talk. He was supposed to be this big time prospect. He wasn't, they brought him up young, and then he started getting kind of crowded in that outfield with guys. And towards the end of last year, he was platooning. He wasn't even getting everyday at bats. And I think it'll be good for him to go to Chicago, get with Eloy and a, and all those other guys over there, and really get to uh, get a full dose of the AL Central. I think it'd be a good good uh, good opportunity. And there is a lot of uh, value at his draft position right now. So something to definitely keep in mind. I, I don't mind him at all. I think there's something to like there with Mazzara. Uh, another fun one, and I know I, I think I know your thoughts on this one already. But uh, Omar Narvaez gets traded to the Milwaukee Brewers. The Brewers needed a catcher after Yasmani Grandal was uh, signed with those White Sox we were just talking about. So Narvaez gets shipped over from Seattle for a prospect. I love it, but I love Omar Narvaez. I know you're not the biggest Narvaez fan. What's your thoughts on him in Milwaukee? I did hate him until this move. I will be honest about it. And I was, and we've spoke about it. And you, yeah. you know, like you said, you're a guy, you're a Narvaez guy. I just wasn't. But this does swim me closer to being one. Not, I, I probably won't land him in drafts because guys, like there always will be a higher guy on him than I am. I'm aware of that. But you're, you're giving me like, my biggest thing about him wasn't necessarily just obviously the stat cast metrics are ugly on him, but it was the playing time potential or potential issues on playing time. I thought there was some more there than you believed, so I wasn't really big on him. But then you take him, put him pretty much what should be the primary catcher over in uh, Milwaukee. That ballpark we all know is amazing, and it's a great upgrade from where he was at. I like him. I think he's de- he's definitely redraft. Um, he's definitely a, a twelve team mixed type of guy. You know, he should be on. He should be rostered. I'm still not again. I'm still. I, I think he's fringe twelfth catcher versus some, some people might have him top ten. I don't know. I, I I prefer to play the upside like a Sean Murphy type over him or stuff like that. You know, Carson Kelly, but. Other than that, I mean, that's just fantasy-wise. As far as real life goes, you can't get a better fit as far as um 
a catcher compared to uh, as far as like I said compared to Seattle. So you can't really get much better fit of a ballpark in the team. Yeah, I really like him there, Milwaukee. I'm the only concern I have. I'm, I'm curious to see with as bad as he plays defense, do they do anything with him to uh, like platoon him for some of their pitchers or not? That's what I'm curious about. But the bat will travel to Milwaukee, so I'm a very big fan of that one. Uh, the Minnesota Twins they bring back Michael Pineda. Pineda, don't forget, is going to be missing the start of the season due to uh, some PED suspension, and nice. just because he's Pineda. But um, he was actually very effective for the Twins last year. I was a big fan of what he was doing. I've always been a big Pineda fan or a big Pineda fan. Depends on how you want to look at it. Pinata. Big strikeout guy. Gives up some home runs. Gets interesting. But, you know, in that ballpark, in that division, he has a little upside. I don't mind taking him late in a draft. What's your thoughts on Pineda? I'm kind of with you. He's not exciting. He is what he is at this point. He offers some win potential playing in that division. I know I'm one of the stronger teams. I'm not, there's just, for me, there's no excitement. And like you said, he's missing, he's probably missing what? I think it's the top first 39 or 40 games. So that's what, yeah. one fourth of the season right there. So, yeah, Steamer has him projected for 100 or 129 innings. So, so I mean, that's he's, a, I can see him being a good like streamer midseason or somebody you pick up after a few injuries, go, you know, but he's not somebody you really have to go into aiming for come draft day. He's not really, a, unless obviously you're deeper leagues, he has, he's going to get drafted, but. Your shallower formats, not a guy you even have to honestly consider, at least in my opinion. Yeah, and, it's a, he'll probably go undrafted for crying out loud. So mm-hmm. that's something to keep in mind there. Uh, the Rangers, we saw last year Lance Lynn, Mike Miner resurrected them. They already picked up Kyle Gibson. Now they've got Jordan Lyles, who Lyles we saw at moments last year. Uh-huh. Where he, <laughs> we saw signs of the young guy that people liked and then disappeared. Any interest in Jordan Lyles going to Texas? I'm interested in how that park plays as a whole in general, being that it's a dome now. So I think it can't hurt him. Like people like, you know, the initial thought is, oh, Rangers, he's going to get lit up. But I mean, I, I'm i interested in the in your deeper formats. I think I'd rather take a shot on Lyles over Pineda. If, I mean, if we're kind of, I feel like they're similar as far as like, will it be ranked and such? I'd rather take a chance on Lyles because he flashed the upside where I think Pineda doesn't really offer that same upside. If we're going to, you know, I'm trying to compare them, but. It's again, it's it's very very mild interest though, but there's some there. What about you? I mean, no, I'm with you. There's some, yeah. It's the back end of your a late round type pick, uh, maybe your fifth, sixth, seventh starter, or something along those lines. I got no problem taking a chance on him. He's a streamable pitcher for sure. Maybe not an every week type guy, but uh, I I don't mind him at all. I think there's definitely something to like there with with Jordan Lyles. It's kind of like I've always been a Kyle Gibson fan for the same reasons. There's a group of guys that. I don't mind. Like he fits that Jordan, uh, the Musgrove type guys to me, stuff like that. So, um, but but I think there is something to like there because we've seen them flash the goodness. So I think we can uh, get some more of that in Texas because, like you said, as I keep trying to preach to everybody, it's not the ballpark at Arlington anymore. It's a different ballpark. So uh, with with the climate control, the roof, it won't be as lively as before. So keep that in mind. All right, uh, a couple more here. Tanner Rourke. Signs with the Toronto Blue Jays. Tanner Work is who we think he is. It's who he's always been. Uh, the Arby's already Arby's on Twitter already let Tanner know that they have Arby's in Toronto, so he's okay. Um, he's an innings eater. That's about the best I can say about Tanner Work. What's your thoughts on him going to, to Toronto? Yeah, <laughs> it's not great for him. He's not. You know what I mean? He is what he is. Yeah. I'm. I'm just. Yeah. I. I we can move on. Like I really just have nothing to yeah. say about him, unfortunately. Yeah, I don't think I'll be owning him at all. 
And then nope. the last thing I wanted to mention is one I was very excited about because it's kind of one of my spots I thought he should go to. The Dodgers signed Blake Trinan to one-year $10 million, which to me is hilarious because I think the A's only owed him $9 million. So I think he made more money going to the Dodgers after getting released, which is very funny to me. Um, that, that is Saris and other people said is he it was a control thing. His stuff was still very good. So a change of scenery could be interesting. What's your thoughts on Trinan to L.A.? I I ran trying and just broke hearts last year. I do I like the move. I mean, I think it's a, it's a great real life move. I mean, the Dodgers are known for being uh, obviously finicky with their stars, but overall always doing well with their pitchers. So, I think he'll return to form to a point. I'm not sure he'll ever have the elite stuff, but I mean, we see Kenley, although effective, we saw him kind of falter towards the end at least felt from what it felt like. And this could be like one of those Guys, watch out midseason if Kenley has an injury or if he has another heart issue type of thing, which obviously I'd never, you never project for that stuff, but just something to keep your mind on. Maybe a late, mid to late season ad for saves. Just that's what came to mind instantly. I was like, hmm, maybe. <laughs> yeah, no, he's definitely one of those guys that if you look at the Dodgers from last year, they don't want to use Kenley a lot, like on back to backs or, or at least three times in a row. Uh, he doesn't mm-hmm. travel to Colorado. Uh, there's other little things that he doesn't do. So guys like Pedro Baez and others, you know, combined, they saves that went to other parts of the bullpen. China could definitely run into those. If something happened to Kenley, uh, if you're in a holds league, I think he's a really good option. I think China moves up the board for some. And, like, if you're in a draft and hold, like the DCs, he's definitely a guy I wouldn't mind grabbing later in the drafts. All righty, let's go talk some sleepers. We're going to talk sleepers a lot this offseason because it'll very, it'll keep changing as ADPs change and you know more and more drafts take place. But just looking early on here, I know Mike wrote about some sleepers uh, a while back at fan uh, fan tracks. So we're going to talk about them here for a little bit here, and uh, we'll do one for each position, Mike. And right. we'll start with we'll start with the catcher's position. And I think there's a guy we both agree on. But who is your sleeper at the catcher's position? Well, the guy we both agree on, if you kind of want to just – we could both brush up on him real quick, is just Jorge Alfaro. This might be the one position where you can do two real quick is Alfaro. Yeah. I think it's really that simple. It's the fact that the sprint speed's there, which is really awkward for a catcher. I think it was 90th. It was 91st. They, like, dropped the 90th. I don't know. They updated it or something. But you mean to tell me there's, like, five to eight steals upside with a catcher? Please? Yes, I'll take that all day. Not to mention yeah. the hard hit rate is through the roof and – he hits way too many ground balls. I think it's like 52.7%. On, that's off the top of my head, which is really crazy if that's right because I think that's actually pretty close. And uh, regardless, so if you can get a few more balls in the air, we're looking at a guy with like 20 to 25 home run pop. You get him late. He's going, I think, outside. The, he might be going just about or just outside the top 12 catchers in early drafts. And I like him as a top 10 type of guy. So I'm pretty in on him. And I think there's a lot of upside and the price is right. So. Yeah, I'm with you. There's a lot to like about him. Uh, I love them in Philadelphia. And then when he got traded to Miami, I was a little concerned, but still 18 home runs. He was the main guy there, hit 262. If he's going to give you 15 to 20 home runs, like you said, five-plus steals, there's a ton to like there. You look at his overall stat cast page, and um, he, he's producing at a very, very high level for a catcher's position that you know, we saw last year. Lots of platooning, lots of uh, interesting stuff there. You're getting a guy that you know is the main man. Uh, at the 10th catcher off the board, definitely something to uh, to take a peek at. Uh, who's your second uh, sleeper catcher you were talking about? Now, this one's very deep. 
And this one is just, I purposely picked, I, I, by the way, just to give a little bit, like I'm, we're, I'm trying to give sleepers for all sides of leagues here. So I went very deep. This is a guy that you would probably only take in these draft champions leagues or might be aiming for off of the waiver wire with fab to come like, you know, your, your main events and all that when you run out of spots, but this is Steven vote. And I'm intrigued by the fact that he's going to be playing from what I've read in early articles, he will be playing some outfield because he did it for you guys as well last year mm-hmm. over in San Fran. And I think there's some intrigue that he could possibly play more than your average, you know, backup catcher. And he could have some value as a third catcher, fourth catcher type. And I don't know. I, I've been dra- I've been aiming for him in my early uh, draft champions leagues for that purpose. And who knows? He could fall into a full-time role. You never know if Carson Kelly struggles or gets hurt. There's there's that. I mean, if he if his bat lives up to what it did last year, he wasn't bad. He hit 10 home runs in 90 – I think it was 99 games. So – it's not, nothing exciting, and it's very like we're talking very deep, probably outside the top three hundred type of guy here, but just somebody that really intrigues me, and I like the potential there in Arizona. Yeah, I was hoping the Giants would re-sign him. I liked what he does off the bench there. He still has a very good hit tool, so I think there's something to keep an eye on there for sure. Uh, mine was Sean Murphy of the Oakland A's. <sighs> Love the, him. Uh, chain, the chain, the changes that he made in AAA last year got him into the bigs very quickly, and uh, they're legit changes. So and he carried a lot of that over to the bigs this uh, in his twenty game sample size. So the sample size is small, but what we saw I like a lot. And he's going to be projected to be the starting catcher for the Oakland A's this next season. And I think there's a lot to like there between the, the power. Um, he, he's going to hit for more than two forty five average. I'm pretty positive on that one. Steamer doesn't know what to do with him, so that'll be interesting to see what real projections <laughs> come out with. But um, I, I'm a big fan of Sean Murphy going into 2020, 13th catcher off the board does leave a, a lot to be desired, I think, at the position. I couldn't All agree right. more. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. No problem. I, just, I had to make sure I just... I know you're a Sean Murphy more. fan. Speak. Speak. Not that... Not, <laughs> no, not, not, well, no. The only thing I want to mention is that I, I like Murphy a lot, and I went to add him, and then I saw you had him. I was like, we can't match on two guys, so I put both down. <laughs> That's how that worked. That's all I wanted yeah. to mention. Was like, I was with you on Murphy before I realized you were in on him. I was like, damn it. Nice. And then I put vote down. I'm like, let me give a deep name. So that's all. We can move on. <laughs> oh, gotcha. No, Sean Murphy, very, very fun play. Uh, position. Give me one of your first base sleepers. One of my first base sleepers, I got to go with Nate Lowe. I love that the Rays have made room for him. I think the power is very real, and the plate discipline was absolutely amazing in the minors. Now, in limited time last year, he struck out damn near 30% of the time, but other than that, he never struck out more than 26%, and pretty much, pretty frequently, he would actually walk almost as much of, almost as much as he would uh, strike out in the minors. So, I think there's better, um, I think there's better plate discipline than he, sh- I think he has potential for it anyway, than what he showed in his, uh, 50 game sample size last year, but even with the K rate, almost 30%, you're looking at, you, he had a 263 average and seven home runs in just 169 plate appearances. I think there's legitimate 25 to 30 home run power in that bat, 270 batting average. I just hope he can play every day. I mean, but again, it is the Rays, another team to watch out for when it comes to platoons. But as of right now, there isn't really much staying in his way of everyday playing time because they've made the moves that they have so far. Yeah. Big, big Nate Lowe fan. So I like that play a lot. I, I will fully endorse the Nate Lowe love. So a uh, very, very big fan of that. Mine's CJ Cron, and it's just another season where CJ's looking for a job. 
This is what CJ does time and time again. Then he gets signed and he hits 25 plus home runs. So people will, will soon love him one day. It'll, it'll happen. Uh, in just 125 games last year at 25 and in 18 and 140 games at 30, 253 hitter. If you look at a stat cast page, every year his barrel rate gets better. His hard hit rate gets better. Uh, his strikeout rate dropped from 26% to 21 and a half this past year. So there's a ton to like with CJ Cron. Apparently teams don't like him. I don't know why. Can't wrap my head around that one. But uh, he's a very, very talented player. He will land somewhere and be productive again. As long as it's not like a massively stupid platoon, I'll still be on him. But uh, I'm a big CJ Cron fan. If you'd like, you can give your honorable mention to your second option. Oh, Christian Walker. Just a quick little – I was really thrown off when I started looking at him. I liked his, that he improved in his uh, plate discipline. Print plate discipline pretty much across the board from if, if I remember correctly and the statcast data kind of pretty much backs up what he did. I mean you're looking at hard hit percentile uh, in the uh, 94th percentile. There's some sprint speed there, 58th percentile. He and he did steal. I had I had I had the page pulled up, but then I picked one over the other. So I had all the stuff pulled up in front of me though initially. He did still eight bases. So there there is a little bit of a power speed element there, and he's going so late in drafts. It's like. Why not? And then, again, if you look at StatCast page, it's pretty much all red outside of the expected batting average. So he is pretty much a 250, 260 hitter. That's, but in today's game, that's fine if you're going to give me 20 to 25 home runs with, with 7 to 10 steals, like, all day. Yeah. No, I'm a big fan. I was actually digging in on him last night when I was just going down a StatCast rabbit hole. So I, I do like the Christian Walker aspects of that. My guy would have been Rowdy Telez, and now with you know, Justin Smoke and company in the way, he might get a nice run there at first base for the Toronto Blue Jays, and that power for Rowdy Rowdy is legit as it all can be. So I'm looking forward to seeing how that plays out. Uh, who would be your second base sleeper? Well, again, this is where we share another one, but I'll save that one for next. My second base sleeper, I'm higher than consensus. I've noticed pretty much anybody I talk to, but that's Brandon. I think he's Brandon, his last name's Lau, another yes. Ray. <laughs> Brandon Lau and... Trust me, okay, I don't need another person telling me he struck out like 30-something percent of the time. I get it, 35% of the time. I know that. And he still hit 270. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's worth noting. Obviously, with a 377 Babbitt, won't sustain that. Although he does have sprint speed in the 69th percentile, so it's, it's above average. It's not nothing special, but his, his XBA was also like 30 points lower. So I'm aware of his – and he's probably going to be a strong side platoon, but it's hard to ignore that. He only played 82 games, and, and, so, and that was while platooning. So if you – I, I don't like to double it. So we'll double it and subtract a little bit. And he's, I mean, if you doubled it, he was on pace for over 30 home runs and t- over 10 and ten steals, basically. I think he legitimately has 20 to 25 home run pop, 10 steal upside, and he never struck out this much in the minors except for AAA last year in two games. But other than that, I mean, it was a, it was always a 25.7% K rate or less. So, and he always walked at least, I think the Leah, as low as Walker, it was 10.7%. And last year it was 7.6% and the K rate spiked. All, obviously it was the pros. There's an adjustment period. I get that. I think that there's going to be, I think there's some growth to be had. I think he could put it together a little bit. I'm not saying he's going to be fantastic, but I do like the power. Again, it goes back to just aiming for a little bit of a power-speed combo in the middle, in those middle to late rounds of your drafts, and I think he offers it. Great middle unfield position type of guy. I, I've grabbed him. I know weekly leagues aren't smart, but I've grabbed him in these early NFBC leagues because I'm just truly buying into the potential there. But the Rays are the Rays. They're, they have uh, – I think they still have Wendell, Wendell there. Yep. And um, there is concerns for that, plus not to mention, obviously, looking – Beyond this year, you have 
they just got what's his uh, Xavier Edwards, so they have him. They have Wanda Franco, obviously, and Bruhan and Lucius Fox. It's again talk about talk about a loaded middle field uh, minor league system, but. Yeah, that's Brandon Lowe in a nutshell. <laughs> yeah, no, he's a stud. Uh, I got no problem with that at all. Mine's Tommy Listella, and it's just for the fact that people forget what he did before he got hurt. Hit uh, 295, 16 homers, top of the order, only struck out 8.7% of the time. And he's always been a, a, a low strikeout guy. If that's been a career thing with him, the power was new. And that's got to be slight concern. But you also look at what he did is his barrel rate up, went up to 5.3%, which is one of the highest of his career. His launch angle went up from 8.1 to 13.2. Uh, his harder hit rate jumped up. I mentioned his strikeout rate dropped. There were some very good improvements when it comes to Tommy Lestella. And even his, like, all of his X stats pretty much lined up to what he did. So I like what Tommy Lestella did. If he's leading off in that Angels order, I think he's going to be very, very productive uh, as a middle infield option. He's going about pick 285 right now in these early DCs. So someone to keep an eye on with Tommy Lestella. Like, not a, a must, must play, but. You could find him as a sneaky value later in your drafts. And in that lineup now, especially with Rendon getting added, and if that power stays there, you know, a full season of Estella gives you 25-plus homers and, and probably scores 100 runs in that lineup now. A lot to like there with Tommy Estella for basically free at your middle infield position. Um, honorable mention, we both had Nick Solak. What's your thoughts on Nick Solak? I can do it real quick. It's a, just another power-speed combo potential, man. And I love it. I actually like him more now because – there was a potential uh, playing time crunch that was happening or going to happen. And then when they moved Mazzara, that kind of opened up more, like more of a sure thing for playing time. So, Yep, 100% with you on that one. Uh, big, big Nick Solak fan. Helped me a lot towards the end of last season. Yep. Uh, when we head over to third base, uh, I love your, your top guy here. Who's your oh. third base sleeper? I cannot talk about this guy enough, man. I talked about him last night on the podcast. I've talked about him on Twitter pretty much daily. And it's, it, people have started tagging me and stuff, which I know that means, you know, that's how you know you, it's, your, it's a, your guy type of thing, you know? Um, it's J.D. Davis, though. And StatCast loves him. 90th percentile are better pretty much everywhere. And there were some, like, awesome changes, like legit changes, tangible changes, like, like to, you know, look for. There was a little bit of a swing change from 2018-2019, I noted. Again, not a scout, but you, it's noticeable. He had a little more of an upright stance in 2018, a little bit of a, some pre-bat movement, some pre-pitch movement, I mean, in the bat. So, and if you look at 2019, he's a little more compact, keeps the bat from moving so much pre-swing, and obviously, and there was a launch angle change. And with all that came production. He also didn't pull the ball as much. I think converse, or maybe he did. I'm trying. I'm mixing up with him and Schwarber, but he actually hits to all fields and the power play the whole fields. If you actually look up his um, home runs, they pretty much were almost evenly spread out throughout the throughout um, every side of the field. And he also improved versus righties vastly. I mean, his triple slash was like 300, 360, like five something. Like it was nuts versus righties where. Typically, he was known as a lefty masher and was kind of always, you know, platooning against lefties and struggle versus righties. So there was growth there. I know, and there was a, there was a lot. Obviously, the breakout. A lot of people having a hard time buying it, but man, it's all backed up in the numbers and the hit tool is very much real. And JD Davis, twenty twenty, all in, man. Yeah, there's a ton to like there. As long as the playing time's there, I am one hundred percent on board with you, and it should be. Well, if they yeah. if they know what's right, it should be. So should be. Yes, I, I, I like that a lot. My guy is a guy I go to battle for. It seems like every offseason I wrote an article about him last year. I'll probably write an article on him again this year. Uh, I, I love everything about the on-the-field person known as Miguel Sano. His overall hit tool is redonkulous. It is stupid. Uh, 34 home runs in 105 games last year. If you look at his um, numbers, 
he barreled the ball 21.2% of the time. That is the uh, top 1% of the league. He had an exit velo of 94.4, top 1% of the league. Uh, it just gets better and better when it comes to him. One of my favorite stats is uh, Xwell Bacon, Xwell on contact. Um, five point, if he put the ball in play, if he made contact, his Woba was 537. That is stupid. He had a 57% hard contact, top 1% of the league. Struck out a lot. Not going to deny <laughs> that one. But when this guy makes contact, he hits the living snot out of it. It is ridiculous oh, it what he does with a baseball. So it's one of those, just play a whole season. Stay out of trouble. Stay healthy. Do something. It was 105 games last year. It was 71 the year before, 114, 116. And the dude's hit, he's like guaranteed to hit 30 plus homers if he just plays like 105 games. Like, this is what you're going to get 250 average. Um, Steamer has him for 141 games, 39 homers, 102 RBIs, 89 runs scored, and 246. And he's the 20th third baseman off the board. Third baseman's like a sneaky position. It's it's deep, but it's not like sexy deep spots. It's a really weird spot, but it's getting deeper and deeper. But the 20th third baseman off the board, pick 135. I I love Miguel Sano. I will always love Miguel Sano. It's just one of those. If he ever puts a full season, if if he can ever do a Steven Strasburg impression at the plate, he's gonna he's gonna make Pete Alonso look small. And I'm he's not gonna even do. Joking. I'll say he's gonna crazy. do like a he's gonna do like a Stanton impression. He's gonna put up like that one year, that one magical year that keeps everybody chasing forever. Yep, and it's like I bought in. I bought in so many times. I just find myself going back, wanting that year because I don't want to miss out on what is going to happen. So, well, the uh, price yeah, is right. It. This is exactly. this is the year, man. This is the. I find myself realizing like I'm way too low on Sano. Like I, I mean, I have him ranked higher than the 20th third baseman, but yep. I need to get him on some more. I'm going to have him on more teams than I realize because, like you said, that power potential. It's very real. It's very like I, you're saying it. You're stressing it. I can't help but pretty much repeat what you're saying because I want people to understand it is legit and he needs to be on your roster for if, if you miss power early, get this guy. He is going to be the. You know, it, it's all there. And just realize he was going to go through a slump or two that he's going to strike out like twenty times, and you're going to want, you're going to, want to hate yourself. It, it will happen a few times in but five nights. Gets, <laughs> yes, but when he gets going, it is oh. it's ridiculous. And pray for the wall. Like if it hits the wall, or pray pray that the fan, the fans have gloves because it's it's not going to be yeah. good out there. But uh, yeah, that's it. Uh, who's your honorable mention at third base? Justin Turner, and this was more for points leagues. I was try, again trying to just touch on every type of format. He's he is what he is, solid all around producer, great on base guy. But injuries get the better of him. He would rank higher in mo, in my ranks personally, and it, probably in general, he'd probably be drafted higher if it weren't for the the age concern, not the age concerns, the injury concerns. But that isn't getting helped by the age concerns. Being that he's like I think thirty six, thirty seven now. The team is great. He hits in the middle of the lineup. If he could just stay healthy, another guy that if he could just somehow. Wave magic wand. He's a health. He's healthy. A great, uh, amazing return on investment, and just. But other than that, he's still just a solid, stable uh, roster stabilizer. Is kind of like a term I can give him. Yeah, no, that's a good way to put it. You know, he's going to help you a little bit in every category. So much, but everything else, he'll uh, put together for you just fine. Uh, my guy, Yandy Diaz, another guy that sees ball, hit ball, hit ball hard. That's what Yandy <laughs> Diaz does very, very good. Yep. Um, another guy that doesn't play a lot of games, 79 games, hit you 14 homers, hit 267. Uh, if he can put together a full season, that's going to be great because be, before he went to the Rays, as always, can he ever elevate the, the ball? Well, he did that last year. And then when he came back in the postseason, he went deep twice against the A's. So there's a lot to like there with Yandy Diaz. And he's, he's a guy, he's the um, 
He's currently the 26th third baseman off the board at pick 203, first base, third base eligibility. So someone else to keep in mind indeed. Heading to shortstop, who you got? I was surprised. He was a last-minute ad, but it was Dansby Swanson. And when I looked, when I started digging again, he was. I didn't really look into him until I did my uh, shortstop rankings. And just because of how deep shortstop is, he kind of gets lost in it. But he was quietly had like a solid year last year. 17 home runs, 10 stolen bases, hit 250. 250 is obviously less than desirable, but expected to hit a batting average of 271. And his stat cast data, although it's not as beautiful as others, it's all in the red. 69th percentile, 69th percentile, 67th. You see what I mean? Like 65th was like the lowest of them all. So, and it's just solid. 88th percentile speed, so a little bit of pop, a little bit of speed late in drafts. And he improved on the walk rate a little bit last year. Still always been like a 9% guy, but it was, it was up from 83 the year before to 9.5, 9.4 this year. K's remained the same. The hard hit rate took a jump. And, I mean, I don't know how much – he might have been one of the bigger benefactors from a juice ball maybe. But just seeing that there's – you know, again, he played only – he only had – I'm losing track. Of my, oh, he only had 545 plate appearances, so to get 17 and 10 in just that short amount of time, just you realize there's some solid little bit of value here, some sneaky little upside to have towards the, towards the end of your drafts. Yeah, he's definitely one of those guys that people just don't want to believe, but uh, sneaky good. Uh, the guy I got to Elvis Andrus. Uh, he hit 12 home runs last year, hit 275, scored 81 runs. These are all great things, but the topper is he stole 31 bags. In 2018, he stole five bags, but he was injured off and on. People forget that. Prior to that, 25, 24, 25, 27, 42, 21, 37, 32, 33. The boy runs. He runs a lot. This is what Andrews does. And the reason why I like mentioning him, because everyone's stressing steals so much. And it's a deep position. Like uh, the guy that you have next is probably one of my favorite guys uh, to get later at shortstop. But right now, Elvis Andrews, the 16th shortstop off the board, about pick 120. If you, this basically means if you don't get one of the big steals guys early, you can do a couple things, maybe get some pitchers or some power, and then you can go get like a 30 plus steal guy in Elvis Andrews and uh, pick 120. Quick math, carry the two. It's like, you know, round five or six. So <laughs> it's something you can definitely uh, take advantage of there. It's not a sexy move. Everyone kind of looks at Andrews and goes, ew, there's something. I either want the flashy new toy or something else. But he's there, and he runs a lot. And people forget that about Elvis Andrews. Uh, he's and, your honor. Yeah. What's up? Oh, sorry. I was just saying, my, and the guy you were just alluding to was the yes. – sorry, the honorable mention. I have a really bad habit of cutting people <laughs> off. I apologize. No, it's all good. Um, it comes with being a host, I think. It's like I'm ready to just – I'm ready to kind of go with it. So I'm, I'm doing my best here. I'm trying to be on this <laughs> behavior. But uh, thank you for putting up with it. It's uh, Ahmed Rosario. It's just a simple fact of speed is such a necessity. And if you miss on Andrews, I feel like Rosario was a little later, and it's a great fallback. Guy who stole 19 bags last year coming and 24 the year before that. Plays pretty much every game. So he's more of a compiler. He's almost like a, a Ozzy Albies light as far as like just plays a lot of games and stats follow. But a light because he doesn't have as much power and steals, doesn't really steal as many bags. That's why it's very, very light. <laughs> but – um. It's like you saw some improvement in the K rate. You wish he'd walk more, but, I mean, he hit 280 last year, and just the speed's very real. Speed is uh, 94th percentile, and the expected batting average is 90th percentile, and there's just a lot of upside to be had there. I mean, he barreled the ball more than ever. I mean, not a great barrel rate by any means, but 4.2% is still his career best, and the hard hit rate, everything. I just – another guy that – how much did the hard hit rate and all that go up from the juice ball, but – 
all in all, just late speed. Another guy's like uh, he's a Kevin Newman type, you know, like with more upside, basically. Yeah. No, I'm a big fan of him. I took him with one of my last picks in TGFBI last year. He was my starting middle infielder all season. So uh, I'm a big fan of Ahmed Rosario. He's going right after Elvis Andrus right now. Uh, the guy I also had down here was um, the one, the only Willie Adamas. I think there's so much more to come with him. Up this homer from 10 to 20 last season, hit 255. I think there's more to come there. He's got more speed than five steals. If he can get you like 10, that'd be tremendous. But I love him for his bat. You know, the barrel rate increased from 6.6 to 8.4. His exit below increased. His hard hit rate jumped 6%. His strikeout rate dropped. These are all things I love to see from a young bat. He's 20, uh, 24 years old. So there's going to be more to love here. Uh, not everybody likes him because you look at certain things on his tools and, and there's skepticism. There's also the fact that he's usually batting ninth or something for the Rays, but he's going to pick 273 right now. So Willie Adamas is a guy I think you can keep an eye on. All right, heading to the outfield, give me your number one. Uh, well, I guess I'll just start at the top, although he's not my number one necessarily. <laughs> but it's uh, Victor Reyes. I'm smitten by this guy. He's going outside the top 300. I think it's close to like 340-ish overall 8 and ADP right now in early uh, draft champions leagues. And talk about speed. Obviously, a lot of these guys are emphasis on speed, but there's speed and batting average to be had here late. You look in the minor leagues, you look at last year, he offers legitimate 20 to 25 still upside, 270 or so batting average. He does not walk at all. That's like he has like a Mondesi type of like walk rate. I think it's like two or three percent. But he also doesn't strike out for that much because he makes such good contact. His contact rates are above league average, and I think his like he his chase rate is damn near forty percent. But his um, contact on balls inside the zone or O contact is um, I think it was like ten or twelve percent better than league average. So it's like he makes a lot of contact. So and with the speed being the ninety first percentile, there's just a lot. There's a chance for him to stay in the high BABIP. He's always been a high batting average and, like I said, a decent steal source in the minors. He's going to be batting – he's batting second as of right now. He's slotted to bat second um, for the Tigers. So, it's – there's a lot – and, again, that's that's a team that just doesn't have much going for it. So, they should have to manufacture runs. So, he should have a green light. But don't count on much for the counting stats, basically. It's pretty much a speed batting average guy, end of drafts, or fifth outfielder type. Yeah, but later drafts, it definitely works. Uh, mine is A.J. Pollock. It's a scary one because he's hurt often, but we know when he plays, he's got 15-20 upside, or 20-15 upside, I should say, and that's something that's great to find at his point in the draft. Uh, he's going the 61st outfielder off the board, pick 226 right now. So it's, it's not like it's it's super sexy. His teammate Alex Verdugo is going right in front of him, but he goes around guys like Eaton and McCutcheon, who I like a lot, Upton as well. Mazara is going after him. Ryan Braun, there's a lot of these really kind of trusty older outfielders. A.J. Pollock gets overlooked a lot. And if healthy, which is always an if, uh, the Dodgers want to run him out there. He's got 20 homer, 15 steal upside. And he's a guy you can get late with that steal ability that I like quite a bit. So A.J. Pollock would be one of my sleeper outfielders. Who is your next guy? I've been banging the drum on this guy for a little bit in the offseason. I've come down a little bit on him because I'm starting to think there's less and less playing time. But that's Dylan Carlson. He's not even in the pros yet. So yes, it's a again another deeper league guy. But you look at you look at his minor league uh track record and he definitely 
took strides last year, and he's like top ten, top fifteen, pretty much in every type of in in everyone's prospect rankings. He's in he played in AAA last year, so he might end up going back there for a little bit of tuning up. But my understanding is he is going to have a chance to fight for a starting spot coming out of spring training. But there are a lot of mouths to feed there in, in uh, St. Louis, so that is an issue. But last year. He put up 26 home runs in the minors with 20 steals. So the power speed combination with a um <clears throat> with his uh plate discipline is fantastic. I mean, he walks usually 10 or so percent percent of the time. Doesn't really he barely strikes out. Um, we're talking 20 22 percent ish. We've seen it as low as 17 percent in the minors, and usually hits for good average. Last at least again last year. Again last year he took that step in the minors. 281 last year, 361 in AAA, but. I don't know. I think there's all category upside, but again, a lot of it is he's more of a wait and see guy because right now I'm taking him in his early drafts, but he could very well not have a job for a month or two or could win the job in spring. You do, there's a lot of ifs and unknown about him, so that's why I've come down a little bit on him, but I still like him at his price. Yeah, no, it's a definitely late round option, but uh, the upside's definitely there. Uh, my second one's Mark Connor of the Oakland Athletics. So I'm at 26 home runs last year. It's 17 the year before has always shown 20-plus home run upside in the minor leagues, and usually about a 270-ish or so average in the minors. He had 273 last year with the A's. Steamer has him projected hit 25 home runs and hit 250. And what I like about him is he he gives you um, outfit eligibility. Depending on your league, he might even give you um, corner infield, first base, depending on your league, but might just be outfield alone. He's a 75th outfielder off the board, picked 287. So he's going actually – He's going two picks before Dylan Carlson. So that shows you they're both super late in the drafts and they're darts with some big power ups. He's going two outfielders after Hunter Renfro. So it, it's at that point in the draft and he's going to be a starting outfielder for the Oakland A's. So uh, definitely usually when you're getting that late in the draft, you're getting platoon guys. Khan is an everyday guy. So I, I, I like him quite a bit. Your third guy. I'm a huge fan of. You actually briefly mentioned him and, uh, for rightfully so, because he's being slept on because he's coming off of an injury plagued year, and that, uh, and obviously it's an ACL. But that's um, his name's right in front of me. It's Andrew McCutcheon, and uh, man, what's not to like about it? The price is the injury concerns are baked into the price. I don't, I haven't seen anything about him not being ready for the season. But if there is word of that, maybe that would explain why he's going later drafts and he might not be draftable. But until there's a firm or a more firm um, outline of that. I'm all about it, man. You're talking about a guy that's, going, that's likely going to give you 20 home runs at least. Even with the ACL, I, the sprint speed was over the 90, I think 89th or something like that percentile still up there. So I still think there's 10 still upside. Yeah, the batting average isn't what it used to be. We all know that. He's maybe a 250-260 hitter. But we're talking about he's going to be sliding into the top of that, what should be a great Phillies lineup. The runs are going to be there. Like I said, a little bit of power speed. And the on-base skills are – are, those don't just go away. So at the very least, points in OBP leagues, huge value. But even in your standard 5x5, five five, even though the batting average is a little bit of a hit, he produces pretty much across the board elsewhere. He's a great guy to get to really just plug in and kind of leave, like set and forget type of guy, man. I don't know why there's like so much. Like you mentioned that group of guys, the Uptons, the McCutcheons, the, the Chris Davises. Like these guys are just – they're not shiny new toys. And I think that's the problem. People are just – casting them away when they all have a reason pretty much for struggling last year. Yeah, they're going to be great gets because, you know, most NFPC leagues and, and deep leagues are five outfielders and everything. So it, it's it's one of those when you do more mock drafts, do more DC, stuff like that to kind of get a feel for the player pool, you're going to start realizing when you can wait on things. And if you can 
I don't know, maybe get the turn where you can go grab like a McCutcheon and an Upton or something. You're going to be sitting real happy about, about things. And that's just going to let you do other things early in your draft. It'll be really interesting to see all that plays out. And that's why your show and my show and other shows, we talk a lot about these different ADPs right now just to give you kind of a wheelhouse on mm-hmm. where uh, where things can be to kind of plan for because not everybody's got all the time in the world to do all the dumb things we do. So it works out very well. Uh, my last one is Austin Hayes. It's more of a shooting for the prospect loop with the Orioles. They have no reason not to play him. Should be hitting towards the top of the order. Ball flies out of Camden Yards. He did hit 309 in his 21 games with them last year at four home runs in that time. Uh, Steamer likes him to 19 homers, eight uh, stolen bases. There's upside there. I'd, I think do even more than that potentially in Baltimore, but it's more just kind of an upside play with a guy getting every day at bats with half his games in Camden Yards. But uh, that's my take on Austin Hayes. All right, Mike, it's been a pleasure. Any final thoughts on sleepers in general and maybe what you've learned of the NFPC, any of the hot stove action, any final thoughts before we call tonight? Honestly, man, we talk about so much. I'm just, again, I just want to reiterate how grateful I am that you even had me on. As a whole, man, the NFBC leagues, though, just a quick thought on that, I guess, is that these, I mean, if you've never done one, give it a shot because it will, not only will it, I mean, yeah, they can be a little heavy on the pockets if you're not, you know, ready for them, but, man, will they make you a better player. Like, those are for sure, like, something you should obviously give a shot. But other than that, that's my only real thought. Thank you so much for having me on, Boba, man. This is really awesome. No problem at all. Uh, definitely we'll do it again sometime. I always like uh, chatting it up with you. We can uh, talk about all kinds of things. Even if we have different opinions, we can uh, chat it out and uh, learn some things the whole way. So it's always fun. Everybody go follow him on Twitter at Mike underscore Curlin. It's K-U-R-L-A-N-D. And he's got the bases loaded pod and so much more <laughs> that he's talking about. I'm looking forward to the new NFPC pod. What's the title? Do we have a title or is that hidden? No, it's actually called Draft Champions Podcast. But it's actually, I guess, because – at, at draft champion was taken because a, a good friend of mine actually um, at Zach Roto, uh, Zach is his name, writes for fake teams. He wanted to do one, and he asked me to come on, and we go back like even before we both started getting into this stuff. So he asked me to do it with him, and he knows I'm busy. So I was like, look, I can't host another podcast. <laughs> like it's, it's, it's <laughs> pretty, much, pretty much what it is. You get it. You're on multiple podcasts. Yes. You get out. Yeah. It's it's a lot of work. So I'm like, look, if you're willing to host, I'll do. And stuff I'm doing, of course, is like the editing and the producing. So it's not like I'm not keep my hands in, involved in it but it's um you can find it at draft champagne which i thought was actually kind of clever because you know yeah. draft champions champagne i don't know i thought it was i i, I, I don't know i enjoyed it i thought I, I got i got a little bit of a laugh out of it but it's gonna be literally just nfpc centric and that's gonna be like i said it's very niche but it's gonna be very very interesting i we did our first episode and all we did was kind of review our because we're actually in a draft together right now so we reviewed cool. some of that top 100 guys the the need for speed, discuss that and our strategies on it. So there's that's coming out. But like you said, and we'll, uh, you do NFC, right? I do some, yes. It does get a little pricey, but yes, I do some. Well, if you do some, I mean, you and you want to talk about it, we can line you up on that one too, man. I mean, <laughs> trust me, it's it's a it's we're not above having any type of guests or anything, obviously. So we can talk about that off the air, though. Cool, cool. But everybody, go check it all out. All his work. He's a fun so player to follow and uh, fan tracks. Forgot that. You're writing over there all the time, too. So go check all that out. And uh, everybody, enjoy your night. Enjoy the hot stove. as It is scoldering hot. Probably three more moves happen while I recorded. I have no idea. But uh, welcome and enjoy. And it's Pinch with Bubba, episode 229, with Mike Curlin talking recent news and some sleepers. Catch you all later.
Life's better with an auto policy from American Family Insurance. No matter what dreams you're driving towards. That's because our expert agents will make you feel totally protected with the right auto coverage at the right price. You'll also save up to 23% when you bundle auto with home. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.